Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, powered by SpannersReady.com, bringing you F1 blogs, reviews, podcasts, and occasionally news. Today's episode is called Three Into One Won't Go. I'm joined by Matt Trumpets. I've got music for him. Reminiscing this and that, having such a good time. Oodalati, oodalati, golly, what a day. It's Matt. Two rumpets. How's it going, Matt? Hey, Spanners. It's point three repeating. That's not pi, is it? Oh, I hate maths. Three into one. It's point three repeating. All right, three into one will go in maths, but not in the physical space of a race car width. Well, well, yes, if if you only leave t- room for two of the three, then yeah, you might have a point. I oh, man, I really feel like I've got to watch the race again today. It was such a chaotic start. There was I was like, I text you all saying, is someone taking notes of all this? Because I sure as hell wasn't. Uh, it, it turns out I might have been. Good, good. So then we're prepared. But I had a nightmare because I'm waiting for my wife to come home from shopping and it's getting closer and closer to one o'clock. And I message right. her at ten two. I say, like, where are you? So I'm leaving Sainsbury's now. I know Sainsbury's is 20 minutes away. I'm like, like, do you have no respect for the start of the Grand Prix woman? The answer to which is, yeah, she has no respect for you. Yeah, I know. So thing is, I was set up to go into the studio. I've got all the HD stuff set up in the studio. And there's no way to live stream Channel 4 from the Roku. So I couldn't do it from there. And so I was I was stuck with... um 
the normal terrestrial feed of Channel 4 in standard definition to watch the start of the race. Something that 15 years ago would not have affected me. But honestly, we may as well have just smudged some crayon on a large blackboard and then just called that the start of the race. It was so awful watching it in SD. Oh, you poor baby. Why don't you come over here sometime and watch it with me on my tiny little computer? No wonder you have all the wrong opinions of everything that happens, including the stuff that happened today. Ah, well, you know, I, you're, you're welcome to disagree with me as much as you like, but I retain the um, factual position that I'm almost always correct. So often, though, so often we agree on stuff. So it'd be nice today because we have disagreed, I think, on just about every instant. Uh, but... Uh, achievement unlocked for young Max, Nemesis earned. Yeah, yeah, good old Max there did quite a job of, it's like he's just set out to troll Kimi Raikkonen in every race. It's fantastic. I had not thought of it like that. It's like a real life F1 trolling. But um, it's good to, <laughs> it's, it's good to see Kimi on fire. Yeah, as in on good form or... Uh, sure. So, for those just finding us, we are an independent podcast hosted by SpannersReady.com, the home of Dad Hub Podcast, F1 articles, and very shortly, Formula E stuff too. We aim to bring you race reviews before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. This show is safe for work. We're keeping it clean here, so you can play this with kids in the background, or in the car, and at work. Matt, after the summer of so many great guests, Will Buxton, Matt Summerfield, Bradley Philpot, look, look at the dregs we're stuck with now. It's Chris Stevens from Formula Spy. How's it going, Chris? Hey, I'm great, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, no offense. It's just that we're we're very much used to you. You were exciting at first. <laughs> first, uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll have you know, I hit a thousand followers this week, so kind of a kind of a big deal. Is that kind on Twitter? Yeah. That's quite hard to get followers on Twitter. Matt, you've got three and you've been on it since the beginning. I'm just curious, like, after you hit them, what did they do? Ah, wordplay. Oh, there were multiple charges. Wordplay. Um, (laughs) I have, I think I've got 518. Not that I track it or anything. Please follow me. That spanner's ready. I want to beat Chris Stevens at least. Come on. Uh, Someone who would love to beat Chris Stevens. Well, that's what he says behind your back. It's Ryan Ferret. Ferris, how's it going, Ryan? Oh, yeah. Ryan of Downforce Radio. Exciting times at Downforce, and you're going to be right in the middle of it commentating. Yes, I am. I'm going to be commentating tomorrow, in fact, at Ooh. Castle Coombe. What, what sort of vehicles are you commentating on at Castle Coombe? Uh, super carts, so the little go-karts uh, that do 130 mile an hour. Formula Ford, so, uh, uh, you know, open-wheel stuff, and uh, tops, F- so saloons. Ugh. Formula Ford's great, because it's like a... It's like a open wheel right it is an open wheel racer but there's yeah. no rear downforce is there there's no front or rear downforce no oh wow there's no front downforce no Matt? right right so i gotta ask ryan you do actual commentating of, of real live cars and when you have that many series when you can't figure out who is actually in a car what do you say in turn <laughs> you go oh there goes what's his name in that car that's the blue color the blue one what is it yes <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and they're coming into Camp Corner and some blue cars in front of the red one. And, uh, yeah, not got a clue who he is. Oh, he's got the number 33. That might help. That might help. Do you have, do you have like, a sheet? Do you, have, you must have a sheet in front of you. Yeah, um, so uh, depending on where we are, well, luckily enough, we have a, a monitor that has the live timing and who's in what position, what lap time they've done, who's done the fastest lap, uh. and who's crashed out in the pits and all that sort of stuff. 
do you have people handing you paper with interesting facts like they do on the telly? Um, no. You can just don't. use the internet, can't you, though? Yeah, but, uh, yeah, the bits of paper we get handed is stuff like grid sheets and all that sort of stuff with black times. All right, you're boring me now. Oh, Matt, you're going to say more things. I was trying to move on. All right, fine, move on. I was just going to say a thing, but okay, fine, leave it on the cutting room floor. Oh, now I need to know. No, I was going to say, a lot of times when I have to talk to audiences when I'm performing, we just literally make things up. And <laughs> I'm just curious, do you do the same thing? And there goes Chris Edgerton, and Chris has actually won quite a number of, I mean, you just like completely... He's a synchronized swimmer. about him? He's in the Olympics <laughs> for badminton, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, um... <laughs> It doesn't surprise me if, uh, you know, sort of the sun gets to my head or something like that, which never happens in the UK, but because we're in the UK. But um, yeah, those we two do have, that sort of thing. Those two have crashed and I can leak now. They are in a relationship and see their Twitter going mad. Uh, thank you to the chat room who are joining us. We have Aurora Haggis, S. Williams, F1, Fortis91, MG5904, Matt PT55, that's you, Matt. You're in the chat room. And some anonymous yeah. people too do say hello. Thanks for joining us. You can also call in, you know, on 0115888Apex. Turn your phone on. The Cartis72 in the chat room says. The youngsters are drinking straight from the bottle like grown-ups. Oh, bless you. Look, me and Matt decanted into grown-up glasses for our red wine and whiskey, respectively. Let's go on to pre-race tidbits. We can't get very far away from the engine upgrades for Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso. But Matt, first, you wanted to have a quick word on the sale of F1. Which is still for sale all over again, as uh, someone rightly pointed out on Twitter. Uh, over over the summer break, it was rumored that Liberty Media were once again the front runners for the now officially named eight and a half billion dollar price for the thirty five percent share of FOM that CVC control, and there were even some names listed, uh, in, including twenty uh, first Century Fox chair, um, including Chase Carey, who is an executive at 21st Century Fox. I'll eventually put my words in something that resembles the right <laughs> You're order. You're doing now. very well. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just come out today that it's actually RSE Ventures and China Media Capital, I think. It, it, but the big difference is that Aquilson has actually said that there are two people who've agreed to a price. We don't really actually know who they are yet. It's curious to see those additional details about Liberty Media. And Stephen Ross and the Carter Sovereign Wealth Fund as well being possibly involved in this. But now it's back to if CVC want to sell in the latest article. So who knows what the heck is going on. But the more it goes around, it comes around. I hope that was interesting to people who know anything about that. Is is that subject finished now? My lack of words indicates yes. One day, one day we'll get it. We'll get it meshed between you and me. It's only been three years. It's only been three <laughs> years. Now the thing I'm thinking about because a lot of people on Facebook got angry. A lot of people in the writers' room WhatsApp group also thought that perhaps Mercedes were cheating. And in fact, what Grumpy Carlo Carluccio said to me was, "When Alonso, I'll do his accent. He's from Luton, but he's Italian, so he talks with his hands, but in a Luton accent." Uh, when uh, 
for Ferrari broke open Massa's gearbox. Everyone said he was a cheat. The British media, even though he's got a British accent, he's against the British media. The British media slammed Ferrari, but now it's Mercedes and golden boy Lewis Hamilton. It's all right. So was it cheating what they did? Chris Stevens. My understanding is that they were given verbal permission to do something with the gearbox. And uh, they then needed written permission, which they then got. Is this Ferrari? So, uh, no, I'm talking about Mercedes. You're talking about Mercedes now. Okay. Yeah. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, they haven't broken any rules. Just to clarify, if you break a seal without permission, you will get a penalty for it. But the stewards and the FIA can let you do that under certain circumstances in the regulations. So if Mercedes had prior permission, it's not cheating to break that gearbox seal. But in fact, people were saying it was cheating just the fact that they had changed three engines, knowing that they would only be penalized in one race. That's like being pulled over for doing 35 miles an hour in a 35 mile per hour zone. It's not cheating. It's just the rules. It, it, uh, what we had last year was that you, if you couldn't serve the full grid penalties, you then took a further penalty in the race. And fans hated that. Yeah. Because you've got a driver starting at the back of the grid. That's already a, a penalty. And then his the race gets ruined because he then takes an, a drive through in the race. If anything, we should be changing the terminology. Just say it's it's a back of the grid start rather than saying it's a 70 place grip penalty. And let's be very clear. It was not just the fans. I seem to recall a vast screaming majority of the English media thinking it was equally absurd that people were getting 177 place grid penalties and being forced to carry them over to the end of time. So they changed it. And now they've changed it. They're screaming about <laughs> yeah. the exact same I thing. I know. Well the, well, the accusation was that it was a loophole. And I don't think it's a loophole if it's really kind of, it was deliberately done because it was bad the other way. They deliberately changed it so that it would be this way. Everyone knew about it and, and everyone's been talking about it for months. We have a compromise now, which is that if you run a new uh, power unit element during a weekend, you have to run it. And that's exactly what Mercedes did. Ironically, it's a it's a rule that Mercedes pushed for uh, last season because they were saying, we can make our engines last, so why should why should uh, everyone else be able to, to stockpile yeah. on engines? So it's, it's a nice compromise what we have now. Anything more to say on that? I mean, they're not the first to do it. Red Bull also did a similar thing earlier in the season, but I cannot remember for the life of me where. Chris? But, well, I was going to say McLaren have done it yeah. a lot over the past couple of uh, years because the reliability of the Honda has not been ideal. Right. Yeah. So there we go. So I, I, I think the rule was there. Everyone knew what it was and they've taken full advantage of it. I'm sure we could come with a million likewise examples. It's not like sneaking, say, oh, I don't know, a flexible aero part into a purple front wing. Now, to be fair, the whole intent of this regulation is to hold down costs. And if you can introduce multiple power units under a single penalty, it does kind of violate the original intent of the rule. But to be honest, it's exactly everything I've come to expect from the FIA when it comes to regulation. So, Okay, so moving on to the driver market, Will Buxton said when he came on this very show... Because that's the kind of company we keep. Don't get thrown by having to have Chris and Ryan on all the time. Occasionally, we strike gold. But 
He mentioned that the key to the driver market was possibly Sergio Perez with his money and, in my opinion, talent. But there is a clash mat between his sponsors and was it? I'm forgetting where he's going to go now. Renault, Renault sponsors. Yeah, well, and this is the interesting thing is we've been hearing this song for uh, well over a month now with absolutely no resolution. But the basic story, as I've heard it, is that the move to Renault will happen or would happen except for Perez is sponsored by Telmex, which is Carlos Slim. And Renault now has a big sponsor in Movistar, which is their direct competitor. And that this Ooh. is hanging up the works for everybody, including your favorite, Jensen Button. Oh, Chris, you were scratching your head or trying to get in? Scratching me head. Oh, then in that case, we'll go to Ryan. One thing I don't understand is why on earth does Sergio want to go to Renault? I mean, I know it's a factory team and potentially there might be a larger paycheck. But uh, but at the moment, with the possibility that... Uh, uh, Force India are going to get fourth at the end of this season. I know there's all this problems happening with BJ Malia and all that, but uh, why does he want to go Renault? He will never, ever, ever win in a Force India. He can in a Renault three years down the line. If if any, I think everybody, any kind of midfield driver should be vying for that Renault seat right now. Yeah, but right, right now, it doesn't it feel a little bit Honda McLaren-ish to go it, there. It, it will pay off in the long term. Well, and that's exactly well, what Renault are, are looking at, is a long-term future. What, paying off like it's going to pay off for Jensen Button, being there for all the rubbishy tractor years and then well, getting kicked out by Stoffel van Dorn for next to, season, most likely. To be fair, if I, were, if I were Jensen, I wouldn't have been so loyal to McLaren. I would have gotten out there at the end of 2014. Okay. Let's... Where? Williams? Well, anywhere. Anywhere <laughs> else. <laughs> Sky, well, do you know what? He should have got in with Channel 4 commentary before Mark Webber's gotten in there and made it his own because Mark Webber is fantastic on Channel 4 and I was never a Mark Webber fan when he was in F1. Well, don't that look is, at me that like that. Sacrilege. Why? That, is, that, is, that is just awful. Mark Webber is the most awesome, one of the most awesome characters in the F1 paddock of the last 10 years. Characters don't buy you lap time, ladies and gentlemen. Don't come back to that. I'm playing a bumper. Let's go on to qualifying. I've never thought of using bumpers as a way to not have my argument retaliated against. I now have that weapon in my arsenal. Let's go to qualifying. I'd like to start with the fact of, can any of you explain to me, because I was at a barbecue, not necessarily that clear of head, why was there such a small gap to Kimi and Nico Rosberg? And, and, and that wasn't the best lap of Kimi's. It looked like he could have been on pole. Well, the way I see it, is that the Mercedes has never been a car that finds more time than the likes of Red Bull and Ferrari on a super soft tyre. Now, when you combine Pirelli's massively aggressive tyre selections for this weekend with the incredible and unusual heat that we've been seeing this weekend, it just made pretty much every compound... Not ideal, you know, it didn't yield as much grip that the teams were expecting, it didn't last as long as the teams were expecting, and um, from a lot of the comments after qualifying, a lot of drivers were saying they came into the bus stop chicane, the final corner, um, with far less grip than they were anticipating, and that tells me that the the super soft tyre was already going off at the end of a qualifying lap. 
Well, it's it's they they were having to drive around at the speeds I frequent in my neighborhood just to keep the tire alive for their one hot lap. I mean, let's face it, the combination of the pavement at Spa and the weather pretty much melted the super soft tire before the entire lap was up for for almost all the cars. Okay, quick interjection from the chat room. The chat room is saying, "Stop talking." Oh, I can't say that word. Stop talking rubbish, uh, Chris Stevens. And we've just noticed that Matt's gesture for trying to get into the conversation is the same as Vettel's winning finger celebration. How could I not notice? How could you do that in my podcasting shed and bring that Vettel celebration here? Fine, I'll change it. Is this better? That is not a hand gesture suitable for... <laughs> the live stream... Visual gags are amazing for podcasts, aren't they? The live stream video is not safe for work. Just the audio. Just the audio. Especially if Thunder Beast is on. He has a habit of uh, changing at will. Let's put it that way. Okay, let's move on. Um, Lewis didn't try. That's not unexpected. Ryan, you would have just gone out there and, and, and done your best, wouldn't you? But he just parked it. I think. I think... I don't know, I've seen it in a few times when uh, they've just gone out and done some laps just to get some more data for the race or just some extra practicing. And uh, uh be honest, uh, obviously Hamilton decided to park it. Yeah, but what we missed out on is really finding out how representative yeah. that Nico Rosberg lap was. What's your instinct, Matt? Well, m- my instinct is I had a feeling they were going to do that all along. They just want to knock off the 107% time. Yeah. But if if you ask me, well, I don't know. Because this whole weekend was aimed at race pace, not qualifying pace. It, it would have been it would have been close, but it, it probably would have been Rosberg's if if he'd bothered to run all three sessions. But you know who else did try, but maybe shouldn't have? No, no, I don't. Alonso. Yeah, right. Okay, so he was in a similar situation with a forty-seven million uh, grid place penalty, and he did run, did he? Uh, at least to the top of Eau Rouge, where his car quit on him. And <laughs> oh, I did see out of the corner of my eye. I did see a, a McLaren stopping. Yeah, but think of it this way: had he not done that, that engine would have then gone pop in the race, and he wouldn't Ooh, have got his amazing. Point. Was it sixth? Seventh. Seventh. Yeah. Seventh. Uh, yes, uh, I've uh, just double checked the timings. Arison said absolutely that they'd sort of had to guess as to whether or not that engine would be good and that in hindsight it would have been better simply not to have run. But having blown up his engine, it did put Alonso ahead of Hamilton. Oh, yeah, of at course. At the back of the yeah. grid. <laughs> no idea. I suppose so. And uh, that translated later in the race when they were further up the grid. He, he, there was still a McLaren sat in front of him and he still had to spend a couple of laps getting past um, Alonso. Uh, oh, what was I going to well, say? Uh, yeah, go on. I was actually referring to the gag tweet, tweet or Instagram that he did of an upside down yeah, grid. He's actually done with that his before. name ahead of Hamilton's. <laughs> he's actually done that before. But yes, he's a he's a funny guy. I like Fernando Alonso. Um, you know, I'm neutral in the Rosberg Hamilton battle. But isn't it a coincidence that the pack is closest in qualifying on the weekend where Lewis Hamilton uh, doesn't set a qualifying lap in Q3? Just saying. Hashtag just saying. I'm just asking questions. I'm not saying anything. Chris, you're judging. I think he would have had the same issues. Sure, sure, sure. Why don't we go on to the race? What are we behind or something? Yes. I mean, things we did not discuss. <laughs> Button, boom, Verstappen, double boom, Pete, you know, and, and, and Ocon and Veriline, which is by far the most interesting thing to have looked at this weekend. Go I for think. it. Okay. Well, Button, Verstappen, and Ocon making a mockery 
of his attempt at qualifying compared to his teammate who made it into Q2 properly fast. But I will point out, it's not really a fair contest to compare him to Harianto yet because Harianto learned the car along with Verline and Ocon's just been thrown in mid-season. So I think we need to give him a few races to really see how he'll do on quali. But, Uh-oh, but hands in the air. What is it, Spanners? Verline was pretty cheeky. Well, he took the opportunity to say after the race, well, look, you can see how good Harianto actually was now, can't you? Which is, ow, that's his thing. First of all, yes, he's trying to say, my teammate was good that I was beating for the first half of the season. And secondly, ouch for poor Ocon. Like, there is no mercy there. He's like one of those, like, little worker queen ants that when they get born, they go and eat the other ants to make sure they're the only queen ant. That was savage, Chris. Um, yeah, it was a bit. But if you ask me, I think Ocon is going to be the driver that gives Verlaine a kick at the backside that you that he needs to be properly utilised. I don't think when he was teammates with Harianto, he was really showing us his full potential. I reckon Ocon's going to give him a hard time. Quick word on Verlaine, actually. He went into Q2 uh, with no new supersofts. So he reckons had he had yeah, another set yeah, of supersofts, he could have been even uh, even higher on the grid. And this was a track where that made more difference probably than other tracks not having the new tyre because they were degrading really quickly, the Supersofts, not even lasting a lap. Yeah, exactly. And um, to be to be fair to them, I don't think they would have expected to have um, this sort of pace, even if the track is sort of Austria-like where Verline made it into Q2 previously. Where are we going? Um, where are we going, Matt? Yeah, surprising me as I'm reading comments in the chat room about the <laughs> large picture of you that's dominating the Ustream window. Oh, okay. Sorry. Right, okay. What, guys, that's a treat. As in case there was any ladies in the chat room, tell you what then. I'll, I'll flick it in now. Careful what you wish for. You've now got a large picture of Chris Stevens. Are you happy, chat room? Are you happy now? There should be. <laughs> Where are we going, Matt? With my uh, hair. Well, that was it. That was it for me. The, the place of the McLaren was shown by Button. I felt very well. It was probably his best qualifying of the year. That was the other thing that I really wanted to mention. And a brilliantly good qualifying from Mr. Verstappen, who followed it up with being utterly miserable with the rest of his race. Mm, Yes, foreshadowing of the future. Hey, Matt, why don't you tell me? Why don't you tell me, uh, equivalent of Paul DeResta, why don't you tell me when we're ready to go to the race review? Well, I can't do that lovely Scottish accent, but I think we're ready to go to the race. Let's do it. And what a race it was. Race review brought to you by the Mist Apex Karting Day. Uh, Now, I haven't really had the response to give me the confidence to go and book something. If everyone who contacted me happened to be free on the date I chose and turned up, and I got all the corporate chauffeurs guys, we would just about have a grid to have a good day's karting. And while it's tempting to do that, in reality, people drop out. So uh, I would like to give it one more chance, one more shout out this week with some urgency this time. If you think you would be interested in coming to a Missed Apex karting day at the end of September, we'll, we'll have a trophy uh Milton Keynes I'm talking to at the moment to have a track day down there in the region of 70, 80 quid. Uh, we'll we'll have a trophy. We'll we'll have some beers. Uh, we'll we'll talk F1. We'll talk Missed Apex. We'll talk about the victory, uh, obviously, of the I will. Do you know what? I always finish second in karting. I th- I think it's my contact lenses aren't working. I need to follow at least one car. Otherwise, I don't know where I'm going. Uh, but come down. Uh, m- make sure that you tell me in some way 
at SpannersReady on Twitter, SpannersReady at gmail.com. Um, where else can you get us? On Facebook, on the Missed Apex Podcast Facebook group. Unfortunately, you have to search the whole Missed Apex Podcast to get the group. Let me know that you want to come and I'll sort something out. Matt, the start. What a start to the Belgian Grand Prix. Uh, it's got previous. Yeah, I, I can just even begin to vent my irritation that so much had to happen in the first half of a friggin' lap when I had to write it all down on a computer screen. <laughs> I was course. like, are you kidding me? Is yeah. this a joke? But no, it was not a joke. It was rather eventful. But who got the best start? I think Mr. Raikkonen did. Are you sure? Didn't didn't Sebastian Vettel get the best getaway? No, I, I think I think Raikkonen pretty much had... I, I think it was Raikkonen's corner. Okay, but when you talk about the best start, because I think Chris is about to agree with me, Sebastian did get... Look at me like I know him, Sebastian. Um, Mr. Vettel did get the, the, the strongest getaway and was ahead at the braking zone, for example. Ooh, Chris, go on, just don't do the face. Do you know what a braking zone is? Do you know what... The Shut middle up. of an apex is not a braking zone, my friend. That's the middle of a corner. I think that Sebastian Vettel was ahead going into that corner. Am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong if I'm wrong. That's fine. And that's why he didn't hit Kimi Raikkonen when he moved to the apex. I See, this to... was the thing. He um, claims he was what, a, a third of a car length ahead. But that does not mean you have the right to just turn into the corner as if nobody oh, no. um, was there. And in... In Vettel's defense, he wouldn't have known that Max was also alongside Kimi. Mm. But then in Max's defense as well, Vettel didn't really leave room for one car, let alone two. So I'm a little bit sort of confused by his comments. And, to be, and Max was already like way up on the curb as well. So we'll go to Ryan next. But I think where all of us will probably agree is that Vettel is a lot to blame for this and yeah you're right he barely left one car's width uh let alone two but that will bring us on to matt what matt was saying last week which is well what is leaving a car's width if the car to the inside of you has a track on the tire and the rest is on concrete and not on grass have you left a car's width ryan well with this incident it's sort of the way it looked like was uh uh vettel turned in and Raikkonen turned in and then Raikkonen realised that there was a very optimistic Max Verstappen coming up the inside of him so he sort of flinched slightly which caused him to bang into uh, uh, Vettel and then Verstappen then followed in and banging into the side of Raikkonen it's sort of like a typical first corner at Spa sort of incident. Now Matt's going Matt's gonna to get angry at you and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on your side first because I think it was optimistic Matt, I don't think Verstappen had any business being in the position he was I disagree only because physically he could put the car there. I don't think he has any right to complain about the damage <laughs> done to him by being there because I don't, I don't think that is all right. Red mist aside as a racer. If I look at that logically, that is not a place I want to leave my front wing because I'm liable to lose it. Yeah. But where Ryan drives me absolutely nuts is that having watched multiple replays of the incident, never once do I see Verstappen hit anyone before Vettel hits Kimi. And that's the part I'm baffled by which replay you've watched because I, I saw like nine different replays of it. And if you watch the onboards from Raikkonen, Vettel hits him and then he hits Verstappen. End of story. I mean, there's not the timeline is the timeline. You can argue about whose fault it is. You can be wrong if you don't agree with me. But nevertheless, the timeline is the timeline. 
Ryan, he says you're wrong. That's the end of the story. Shut up. But he's not your real dad. You say what you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know I was adopted. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I sort of, yeah, the first time initially watching it, I sort of thought it did go in that sequence because of the way the cars sort of went. But then looking at it, yes, it did go Raikkonen hit uh, Sebastian. But the way you say it is Sebastian hit Raikkonen and then Raikkonen hit uh, Verstappen that's, uh, that I've been hearing. When, uh, when I've watched it, it's been Raikkonen hits uh, Sebastian and then Verstappen comes in and hits uh, uh, Raikkonen. So it sort of showed to me that Verstappen could have made that corner, but he sort of didn't and hit into uh, Raikkonen. Right, I'm going to make the anti Verstappen case. Apologies to our Dutch listeners. Know that Matt is fully on your side, so you can continue to enjoy half of this podcast, even if you can, if you hate me for it. There's, there's two things for me. Firstly, his attitude. Uh, There's a quote from the chat room that's saying, Max is saying, I would rather drive them off the track than let them go in front of me. This is a very determined young man who perhaps has not He's he's testing the F1 limits to breaking point, and he's yet to get to the point where he pulls back uh, to them, which Maldonado did to an extent, which Lewis Hamilton has done to an extent. Secondly, right, he came off the track to make that manoeuvre. So are we? could he have got into that position without putting all four wheels off the track? And as such, that can't... If that had been after the tunnel in Monaco... No, Chris is disagreeing, but he did have all four wheels off the track. You, you're talking about Lasors, the first corner. On the first corner, Max Verstappen had all four wheels off no, the track. No, he didn't. No, no you're, you're, you're absolutely no, wrong. No, Not at the same time. So asking, Chat room, can tell can me. I just, can, I just, uh, can I just make this point first? Verstappen has every single right to be there. He is a hard and fast and racing driver who wants every position he can get. But at the same time, with a, a what is it? It's, a, it's something like fifteen to twenty second flat out run all the way out of the source up up Kemmel Straight into Lecom. I wouldn't want to be leading a pack of cars out of the source. So I would rather you know tuck into a slipstream and then pass them on the Kemmel Straight. So I don't quite understand Verstappen's dogged determination to retake yeah both of those positions but i will absolutely disagree with you that he had all four wheels off the, the and track. that's why you're not a racer if you don't feel that i have to be in front <laughs> immediately then you're not a racer my i'm friend. a calculated prost um matt oh and do you know what <laughs> that's not the word i but would verstappen is a center <laughs> i'm gonna stop you all there ladies and gentlemen because we have someone on here who's more intelligent than all of you three not quite me but i will say that Honestly, that Max Verstappen move, I'm not going to let you answer, so it'll infuriate you, reminds me of Degrassi at Battersea, where he was in the braking zone already, he was in the braking zone already, and he lifted off to get past and alongside. He was a long way back. Ladies and gentlemen, that was a lunge. And I'm going to leave you to stew while I talk to Downforce Radio guru, founder and commentator, Jake Sanson. Thanks for joining us, Jake. Not at all, Spanners. It's a great pleasure to be on again. Fantastic. I was a real surprise. I thought we were going to come on in about an hour. So this is great. You you are at the Simply Race Sim Racing uh, venue. Why? Yes, 
I am. Well, we, we've just decided to uh, pop in on our way back from a brilliant BRSCC race weekend at Silverstone. We thought we'd take in some touring car action with the uh, Simply Race Touring Car Championship. And I've proven tonight that I need more practice because uh, I've been absolutely terrible in every race. I was last in race one. I was 12th in race two. And I've just retired from the third race because uh, there's only so many times when you can do that. Uh, what's that old saying? You know, they do the same thing over and over again. And uh, Eventually, it just becomes insanity or something along the lines of that. That yeah, wasn't even close to, to the quote, Jake Sanson. You're you're bad at quoting things. <laughs> My head's not in the right place. I'm so exhausted after the racing. And you, I mean, you, me, and Ryan play on Xbox. I can definitely vouch that you're awful at For, uh, Forza and Rocket League. Yes, I am awful at all of those things, but uh, I don't half love trying. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're going to get your opinion because you've, you've caught us. I don't know if you were watching on the live stream. You've just caught us for on the turn one debate. Uh, firstly, exciting times for Downforce Radio, Jake. Uh, really, for, for our part, we're about to start e-radio show tomorrow to, uh, to kick off a, a brave new era for DF. Excellent. Yes, absolutely. And we've got uh, three nice interviews to give you for uh, e-radio tomorrow oh, as yes, well. I because uh, Who have you got? Well, we've got interviews with Stefan Sarrazin, uh, the uh, Venturi racer, yeah, who talks about uh, his uh, involvement in Formula E right from the start. Uh, we talked to uh, Marching Wah for the first time, I think, we've ever spoken to him. And uh, to be fair, he's actually got some really interesting insights into the new Tachita team. And uh, our own, our very own, our British boy wonder, Sam Bird. Yeah, oh, you're excellent. You're going to get from Sam Bird as well. I race Sam Bird on uh, the Formula E cars of Forza at a live F1 event. He, he actually beat me. You might not be surprised to hear. Well, that just proves that he spends way too much time on his Xbox. <laughs> That's all that proves. Probably. Okay, so you've joined us for the Turn 1 incident uh, where right. I've, I feel, I feel that although we all agree Sebastian Vettel is mostly to blame for that because he turned in on two cars and didn't really leave room for one, let alone two, but what we're really arguing about was, did Max Verstappen have any business punting it up into turn one alongside Kimi? Uh, good question. Uh, having seen the incident, we were actually on the lunch break during the Belgian Grand Prix and the rain shower that has aided us. So we did catch the whole race in the end. Um, I think Max Verstappen was pushing his luck, to be honest, at La Source. He, having seen the replay, the camera position that was really telling was not even his onboard. It was the La Source sweeper camera, the one that you see right on the inside wall. And uh, to be fair, Max Verstappen had 99.8% of his car over the white line on the inside of the curb. That is not the racetrack, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, the fact that he's got the left side wheels flirting with the inside white line doesn't count, <laughs> in my opinion. So whether Vettel caused the accident between himself and Raikkonen is not really debatable, because I do think no. Vettel was being a bit silly, to be honest. Absolutely. Uh, but Max Verstappen, I think, unfortunately... You know, the incident between Vettel and Raikkonen kind of happened because they were both under pressure from Max being in a silly place at the silly time. But the way I look at it is that, you know, Verstappen's still very young. You know, he's only 18. He's still learning. Everybody's putting this pressure on him like, oh, he's the new Senna. He's the new Schumacher. He's a boy wonder who's doing a great job. You know, everybody's going to make mistakes. Senna and Schumacher made mistakes in their first season. Leave him alone. He's going to make mistakes. Do you mind if I let an angry looking Matt Trumpets come come back at you there? Please do. Yeah, go on, Matt. (laughs) Hit me with it. So then you're actually admitting Verstappen was within the regulations and on the track when he made that move, which I love about I knew you. that was you're coming. You're so fair-minded. I knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah, you knew that was coming. Well, the rules do say you've but, only but, got to have no, a whisper but, of the, the tyre on the track to be on the track. I'll tell you what blew my mind. Is that move from Vettel, do you know who it reminded me of? It reminded me of Massa. 
that was like a class of massa crunch the apex move. And it just surprised me to see Vettel make it. And mm. I watched the GP3 race, which I don't know if you saw that, Chris. But I watched the GP3 race, and there was a very similar start with Santino Ferrucci on the outside, and he just went right round without hitting anything. Yeah, I mean, Jake, Vettel does... be done. Vettel throws a lot of stones these days with regard to racing manners. Uh, it was surprising, wasn't it, to see him do that? I think it was, yeah, especially considering that when Vettel started in Formula One in 2007 and 2008, people were digging him for making reckless moves. It's kind of the... Uh, uh, it's kind of the pot calling the kettle black or whatever it's about. It's again with the quoting. Yeah, I'm you're, tired you're bad right. at this. I'm sorry. I'm, uh, these uh, synonyms and uh, acronyms. I'll get my worms right. How are you a commentator? But, uh, you're terrible. <laughs> uh, this is after two straight days of, of commentating. Yeah, <laughs> uh, my worms are rubbish. Anyway, uh, Vettel, the thing is, he's being a bit of a hypocrite here because, you know, eight years ago, he was the new kid on the block and people were criticizing him for making overtaking moves a little bit too crude. He's pulled moves on Button on in the past, Alonso, Hamilton. You know, all of them have had the Vettel factor. I mean, speak to Mark Webber about overtaking moves from Vettel, and he'll tell you everything there is to know about it. So it's quite funny now that Vettel is uh, having a go at people for racing manners when he was one of the rudest when he first came into motor racing because he was making his own mark. So uh, it's, it's interesting when the shoe's on the other foot, isn't it? Jake, an absolute pleasure to have you on Missed Apex Podcast. Finally, by the way. Yeah. was taking it so long. Uh, where can people catch up with you? Um, when's Pitboard back? When is Pitboard, when, when is Downforce's best show back on the air? Right. Uh, Pitboard is returning on Sam, uh, let me just try and get my dates right here. Pitboard is due to return on September the 8th. So do not worry, folks. It's not gone to bed. Uh, it's just on hiatus, basically. We're taking a few weeks break. Uh, so the July edition of Pitboard is taking place on September the 8th because it's received a 75-day penalty, uh, which has put it at the back of the queue of podcasts, basically. Fair so uh, don't worry. The July podcast is coming. It's just a little bit behind time because of penalties. Okay, and uh, <laughs> if there's Formula 1 and Formula E on there, I'll try and make myself available, although I will switch off on the tin tops because they're stupid. That's fine. Fair enough. We understand that. After tonight, I think Tintops are stupid too because I can't drive them. <laughs> <laughs> and you are at Jake Sanson on the Twitters? Correct. At Jake Sanson on the Twitter. All right. See you later with your wonderful background noise. I'm surprised there's no jet today. See you later. No, no, no jet. No, no, it's all fine. Uh, I'm not at the Donington uh, flight path. We're outside of KFC. I might go and have some dinner now, I think. <laughs> oh, I would never do that. Mm, big bucket. <laughs> See you later, Jake. Bye. Thanks, fellas. Cheers. Oh, I nearly hung up on the whole group instead of just him. I'll get good at this one day. Uh, Matt, you, as he was saying that about it being 99.8% off the track, I was going, oh, he's played right into Matt's hands. Did you not listen to the Philpot episode? Uh, I did. I And I myself, as I said, looking at it logically, that is not a place you generally want to put your race car because you are at the mercy of the person turning in on you unless you are genuinely got your front wing and wheels. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The hat off them. Okay, and uh, Ryan, last words then, because we've got to 41 minutes talking about this, but wasn't it a good crash? We've got as far as turn one, guys. I'm glad we don't do a, a lap by lap like F1 vlog. <laughs> go on, Ryan. You no longer go for a gap. You no longer a racing driver. Yeah, but it wasn't a gap. It wasn't there. It was illusory. Nah. All right then. Shall we? Shall we move on to the next thing? Uh, big dirty news. Do you know what? I'm going to stop it because Matt made a noise. Go on. What? What was the disapproving? You? I've moved on. No, to I was going to say. Did anything else happen? I forgot. <laughs> well, let's play the bumper again. Well, do we want to? Do we want to talk about some Verstappen's other moves? Yeah, sure. But I was going to do that in any other business. Oh, okay. That's fine. I've lost the button now. Big dirty news. Of course, in any other race, the big dirty news would be a massive smash at the top of Eau Rouge. And uh, we tried asking Summers why. Did we get an answer to why Kevin Magnussen suddenly just seemed to lose the back end? But as scary as that crash looked, he was spinning. He went rear first, which generally seems to come off better. But at first, when the camera cut back to it, you saw him nose in. And you're thinking, oh my God, he's gone nose in to that barrier very, very fast. This is bad news. When you saw the replay and he went in backwards and spinning and he only kind of then, you know, pivoted into that position by fluke, if you like, it was a big relief to to realize that. But wow, what a smash. It was a terrifying thing to see on replay. I don't know that Summers gave us the official word, but generally speaking, if if you watch the replay and what was said about it was basically he got a little too far onto the curbs coming up the top of the hill there and either he spun the rears on the paint or he bottomed out and and lost the airflow under the car for a second and either way when he came off of those curbs he no longer had control of the vehicle and it was off to the uh off to the merry-go-round for him yeah uh will buxton mentioned that it was windy so uh, mg5904 is saying that wind plus an unweighted car at that speed equals a you know a big crash R- ryan yeah well it was uh it was mentioned the fact that uh he uh was a bit too uh lead footed on the uh loud pedal for uh uh for part of it and they also said that he could have been disrupted by the uh, turbulent air as well by his teammate uh, uh palmer in front of him but uh yeah, I've uh, had it twice last weekend where I lost the back end of my car, and it is not a very nice experience. Were you racing or just going to the store? 
I'm assuming you're talking about F1 2016. No, in real life. In, in real life. Don't drive on the same roads as me. Should we catch up with some of the chat room comments before we get on to the rest of the red flag stuff? Uh, MG59 says, would love to kick... No, I should have read... should have vetted these. The Cartier 74 said, is this the same people arguing about the need to leave racing room that said that Rosberg didn't need to? Interesting. Add to the mix that this was the first corner of the first lap and Charlie Whiting has said that he relaxes the rules for the first lap or so, which might explain why it wasn't investigated when you really would have thought that the Sebastian Vettel action would have been investigated as per your argument with Vortex Mortio, Matt. Yeah, I would say outside in versus inside out is an entirely different thing. You've confused me. I'm sure I'll understand it on listening back, Chris. Yeah, and also rightly so that it isn't investigate first corner unless it's ridiculous shouldn't be investigated chat room is saying that max is on course to be the new maldonado that's very very harsh but he is somewhat erratic uh i can't help with this argument because i didn't see the race i'm only year here to yell abuse at the host it's an eerie parallel he did win in spain say again it's an eerie parallel he did win in spain well, we did. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Matt Trumpet saying things about people's mothers, no doubt. I can't be bothered to read it. Vortex Mortio points out that Jake Sanson is at Simply Race and therefore probably hanging out with Bradley Philpot, who I think we know which way he lands on this. I think he thinks Max is somewhat erratic as well. Uh, so Jake probably agrees with the professional race driving instructor that he's physically next to. Can't blame him for that. Uh... Uh, we weren't expecting Mac- Magnussen to walk away from that crash, says uh, Steve Williams, F1. He did have a bit of a limp, which is astonishing. And uh, MG says, astonishing that he did when the crash was so severe and twisted. Uh, yeah, he's pointing out the chassis was in a hell of a state. That's That looked worse than the Alonso crash in uh, in the racetrack. That, Australia. Australia, Australia that, that happened on. Was that the first race? No way. That was the first race. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, again, the modern F1 car, et cetera, et cetera. But on Magnussen's crash, you know, you, you'd have to say everything performed um, really well. I, th- I think what one thing we've learned out of this is that O'Rouge and Radion is still a very, very scary corner. People say it's been diluted by the, the downforce and the pace of the cars these days, and I think that's been proven um, uh, to, to not be the case. And there's, there's not a lot of runoff there, and frankly, I think the tyre the, the barrier did uh, everything it needed to do. Tethers did an amazing job keeping all the, w- the wheels on the car. What worried me, though, was the headrest popping off yeah. uh, the impact. That's quite a concern it is quite an integral part of keeping the neck shoulders and head safe uh in a crash so uh, and there's no kind of easy fix to it because it, it it's at the moment it's only kept in by two prongs which is needed in you know in case of a quick release in case the car's on fire so uh, something needs to be looked into that yeah i um I was hearing that the team reckoned that the uh, headrest was uh, released by uh, Magnuson's head hitting hitting it, which then released it. No, ouch! Uh, so did he, did we hear if he had any concussion or anything? He must have had. Apparently, I don't not. think he. No, but apparently, he just I, had a cut on the ankle. Oh, did I did I hear that his helmet did actually hit the the barrier briefly, or was it just the headrest? It was just a headrest that I heard of, which is the reason why the headrest came off. Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, he's going to be racing in Monza as well. Brilliant. 
that's what they're saying now. But it, I can tell you flat out that if uh, the impact was beyond a certain number of G's, he will have automatically been given a concussion protocol. Yeah. And I believe he was taken to the local hospital to for that reason after or either during or after the race. But according to his team, he's looking good for Monza. So then the result of that red flag, had it been a safety car, Rosberg might have been threatened, but... Uh, somebody, I don't know who, I can't remember who it was. Someone was saying Rosberg was, was helped out by the fact that it was a red flag, but certainly Hamilton and Alonso benefited as well. Chris, who do you think benefited the most? Um, uh, Hamilton and Alonso, you'd have to say. Um, yeah. I mean, they've already uh, inherited quite a large number of positions from all the chaos of the opening five, six uh, <laughs> laps or so. Yeah. Um, plus, plus making their way through the field themselves with their natural... Um, speed, but there they are in well, was it fourth and fifth? Yeah. Um, for Alonso and Hamilton, uh, the red flag and fresh, fresh boots on. Race is effectively restarted, and they're in a great position. Yeah, and uh, it was also helped by the fact that the uh, the likes of Haas were trying to do their party trick that they did uh, in Australia, but then thought, wait, actually, I don't think a red flag's going to come out. We better pit, and then as they pitted. Uh, the red flags came out, and it was the same for a lot of teams. They felt that a red flag was going to came out, uh, come out, but because they spent so long behind a safety car, they all decided to pit because they thought it wasn't going to happen. Williams yeah, too. Ooh, yeah, so I was right. going to say same for for Williams, same for Palmer as well. He dropped from well inside the points in seventh to fifteenth. Ouch. Yeah, and that's one of those where if you're looking at a picture of the barrier, you know they're going to have to repair it. And if you know they're going to have to repair it, they're going to run the JCB on it. If you know they're bringing the JCB on, then you know that red flag is coming up. Well, it was the first thing that came to my mind was the stoppage at Silverstone with Kimi Raikkonen re-entering the track and spinning off. Yeah, as soon as we saw how much it had been ripped up, we were like, oh yeah, that's going to that's gonna take a while. But uh, the safety cars seemed to be out for a long time before they decided that, so there was a little bit of hope. But it, it's it's telling how exciting this race was that we've not really covered Hamilton's journey to the front. And, and once again, I've moved on before Matt's ready. No, I was going to say the other person that really benefited from the safety car would be Raikkonen, who was a lap down yes. when it yeah. came out and was yeah. given permission to catch up. And I think they kept the cars out running until they had to stop the race to get the tractor on to fix the barrier is what it was. So they kept him out until the car was cleaned up and then they brought him in to fix the barrier. Anyone else on the sort of shuffle that went on during the red flag? Well, Ryan looked like he was set to say something. You look just so intense. That's the problem. Uh, I was just looking at, um, I'm just trying to have a stab at a guess of uh, S. Williams F1 uh, uh, has got a question uh, and it's regarding why why do they use uh, tire walls at the top of a rouge instead of tech pro barriers? Right, yeah, I saw that question. I ignored it because it looked boring. Does anybody have an answer that's under 10 seconds? Well, I reckon it's because uh, the tech pro barriers, you literally just go straight into it and it tries to absorb, uh, yeah. absorb everything, where the tire walls have like the conveyor belt system on it. And what it will do is it will uh... tend to try and get you to carry on going uh, along and it will slow it down more efficiently, meaning that the driver is less uh, prone to being sort of injured because it's that sudden stop that uh, causes Chris is looking at injury. You. Chris is looking at you like you've just said that the sky is made of fish sticks. Chris, is he wrong? No, that was towards you. What? What did I do? <laughs> you, 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 
You're telling, you're telling me to talk and I was just, I had nothing. You're like, oh my God, he's asking me to talk and I'm incompetent and I know nothing about F1. And I'll tell you There's what. nothing to add. Oh, it difference. didn't go Chris's way. Daddy, I want a pony. And <laughs> I want it now. <laughs> oh, Why don't? I get some bumpers, I am just going to... Yeah, but you haven't got any. Dude, I'm going to press them all The bumper's over you. going, the bumper's going. You can't say anything anymore. That's it. I'm going to talk over it, don't care. Please consider visiting our partner, Cornerstone Razors. They have some seriously good products. German engineered razor blades and aluminium razor handle, which they engrave with your initials. It's really cool. Mine says Rick. Uh, and a trio of skincare products blended here in the UK. I was too cheap to try them. Uh, used together, they'll give you a smoother, more comfortable shave. I have been using Cornerstone razors for a week. They are very good. They are as good as the extortionately expensive five-blade razors called called Gillette that I was using before that um I've had I can say nothing but positive things about them if you go to spannersready.com and scroll down to the little cornerstone banner we've got there you can try them for four pounds or get ten pounds off and it, it basically once you click on that link it's got a cookie that remembers that you went there from spannersready.com and that's how affiliate deals work so please go to spannersready.com and click on the cornerstone banner and consider having a fantastic shave for much cheaper i'd be interested to find out how someone who can grow like a proper beard like ryan gets on i've got a kind of wispy mediterranean thing going on so i might send you some over ryan what do you what, what initials do you want on there ferret f-e-r definitely definitely send some over spanning excellent matt i'm i'm putting you on the spot here but i would like a couple okay. of minutes from you about the tires because everyone was saying this was a race that was dominated by tyres. I was looking at it being dominated by the amount of flying carbon fibre there was. But uh, can you take a second to tell us what was interesting about the tyre strategies, especially how Lewis Hamilton was struggling? Uh, We were quite surprised that he went on the softs, which he only stayed out on for about 10 laps. Well, let's start with the longest stint done on softs over the practice. That would be Kevin Magnussen, about 21 laps in uh, free practice. And let's consider the length of the race, 44 laps, and the Pirelli recommendations, which were 24 for the mediums and then 16, I believe, for the softs. And by the time I got to the race, no one in their right mind would be using the super softs unless that's the only way they got into Q3 because they melted pretty much right away. And we saw several people come off come off them in the first lap once there was that initial contact. But what was interesting about the red flag is about 20 minutes is it set up a, a shorter race in which... Rosberg, having started on the softs, would be compelled to run the medium tire, which is not necessarily the fastest choice you would think under these circumstances. The soft tire has generally been the tire of choice. And Hamilton looked really good to go. He had three brand new sets of softs to run. And in fact, I think when they took back the track, it was Rosberg on the mediums because they're allowed to change tires under red flags, which is something I would love for them to change. But they're allowed to change tires under red flags. And Hamilton went on to the softs um, because he started on the mediums. He was good to go. And then Rosberg was on the mediums. You're thinking, oh, this is it. Ricardo's on softs. Hamilton's on softs. Hulkenberg's on softs. Rosberg's on medium. He's vulnerable. But you know what? It turned out with the extra high pressure they've been running, and it's important to note that they were running that, because last year, everybody probably remembers Vettel's tire exploding into about a gazillion pieces. One of the reasons they think that happened was what they call a standing wave, where the curbs 
incurred a standing wave in the tire and that caused it to fail. So Pirelli's response to that was, we're going to make the pressures higher. But by making the pressures higher, it also threw out all of the data that the teams had on getting the tires to operate properly in the window. So we went into the start of the second part of the race thinking one thing, but reality would show something quite different. Yeah, thank you for that. That's the sort of thing that you're here for. I didn't, I, I, I never catch these things the first time, but when I listen to it in the car in the morning to see how stupid I sounded, I suddenly go, hey, that Matt knows a thing or two. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay, joining us on the line, the guru behind the fantastic enterprise that is Team Venture Racing, Charlie Brisker joins us on the line. Hello, Charlie. Hi, mate. How you doing? Yeah, a, a little better than you. Uh, it seems we've been talking about lap one incidents, and that's something you know a little something about in recent history, Charlie. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's right. At our last out, um, our last outing at Thruxton, we um, can you had just a small... uh, sorry, can you just quickly just say what championship it was and and your car? All right, we we were in uh, the CSCC. Uh, future classics championship and it is uh, a bmw e30 320i and it's something that you you lovingly fix paint prepare yourself you know you put a lot of time money and effort into it absolutely yes it's uh, myself and another chap called mark who was driving and um <laughs> we um can i point out and yeah, yeah. Um, yeah we spend a lot of time uh sort of keeping the cargo and it's not exactly the cheapest one on uh, i mean it's not exactly the most expensive one on the grid there we're up, up against like uh morgans and all sorts of other cars well it was heartbreaking because you put the video in the mist apex facebook group and we're we're, we're following you we see your in-car camera and you get knocked off and we're like oh man yeah, you only got half a half a lap before getting knocked off. And it's like, no, I wasn't even driving. That's got to hurt on a race weekend. <laughs> well, yeah, considering I was supposed to be after 15 or 16 minutes, I was supposed to be getting into the car. I've oh. stood on the pit wall expecting to see him come around the corner and he doesn't. Okay, so there's obviously a period where you don't quite know whose fault, fault it is. So how, how awkward was it when he made his way back to the pit lane? He's like, All right, Charlie? Well, we had a... Um... A chat. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there was a uh, a a, a, uh, a chap came over from uh, the marshals who I who I must say were brilliant. They were absolutely fantastic. One of the marshals came over to me and said, "Are you Charlie?" I said, "Yes." I said, "Mark's fine. The car isn't." I was like, "Right, <laughs> thanks for that." The thing is, though, did you instinctively kind of go, "Oh no!" And then, "Oh, oh, but thank goodness, um, thank goodness, he's okay." Yeah. It, um, it, I've been racing long enough to know that the most important thing is that he's okay. Oh, you're, um, a, you're a better friend than me. But I mean, that, that <laughs> incident didn't even look like his fault, to be fair. It looked like two cars over had caused the incident. Uh, that's correct. A, um, a Vauxhall Firenze, which is uh, the, a car that's well known for back in the 70s, driven by Jerry Marshall type thing. Um, unfortunately, a tyre burst. And it just swerved across, hit a Morgan, which then bounced off that and expensive. hit us. Oh, that sounds expensive. Uh, so, unfortunately, they're no one's fault, really. I do I do prefer it when there's someone to blame. Uh, but, Charlie, you did mention, and I don't know if it was in the excitement or disappointment of that event, that there was a prospect of a certain spanners ready getting behind the wheel at some point. Well, we're very happy. Um, when I say we, I mean I. I'm very happy and brave <laughs> enough to sit next to you uh, at, I don't, at a uh, at a venue 
um, during maybe a track day or something and just give you a few pointers. That's got YouTube video written all over it. But but you know what if I what if I I'm faster than you, Charlie? How how will you take that? Because it's likely. Well, if you're faster than me, <laughs> I will have the data, and then I will work out how you're faster <laughs> than me, and I will. Make it's, myself fast. It's really not likely. But you would be up for a missed apex karting day, I presume? Uh, I would love to be uh, when it's not at the same time as my wife's trying to give birth. So, But I would totally be up for it. That's not the, the commitment we're looking for, if I'm going to be honest, Charlie. <laughs> and uh, is that going to be the second or third? Second. Okay, stop after that because that the two is terrible enough. Ryan, what are you getting in for? Um, we're not going to be hearing soon uh, a radio message saying, Charlie, Spanners is faster than you. Do you understand that? <laughs> um, I think if uh, if I do hear that, I will be very surprised. Wow. Very surprised. I'm insulted that you wouldn't just assume I was faster than you. Charlie, thank you very much. It's always nice to hear from, a, you know, a proper, a proper racer who puts his heart and soul uh, onto real competitive track days. <laughs> thank you competitive track day oh come on you don't do yourself <laughs> down uh, and i wish you all the best for fixing the car ready for the next event thank you very much always a pleasure chaps keep it going see you later charlie bye cheers bye okay guys well we're running chronically short of time should we fly through any other business because there was another incident with kimmy and max at the end of the kimmel straight uh, which i marked as kimmy and max uh take two uh you know, not realizing at the time there'd also be a take three, but Max was rude. The take two. So let's start with this. The take two was at the end of the Kimmel straight. And it really, to me, looked like Max forced Kimmy off. And it didn't look like he was necessarily going to make the end of that corner. And the take three was on the straight with the weaving. Matt, where do you want to start? Yeah, well, I, I like that one. It's basically uh, Rosberg, Hamilton without Hamilton turning in, I would say. It's, that's basically what you got right there. It's the Philpot scenario. Yeah, he was saying what happens if Hamilton doesn't turn in and lets it go all the way to the end of the corner. But there was contact, wasn't there? And they were still technically on the track when there was that contact. Am I getting that wrong? Uh, I don't recall there being contact when Kimmy went off at the end of the straight. Oh, okay. But- that's my mistake. Yeah. Yeah. That was a Perez instant where there was contact. Uh, okay, so I'm getting that mixed up. So, but but, but that that to me was it really felt like in any case that was Max forcing Kimi off, and because he didn't he actually failed to stay within the track limits himself. He didn't go all four wheels off. There was certainly no room for a car on his left, if you want to put it that way. Yeah, he wasn't leaving anything that could be considered a car's width when he finally when he finally took to the uh, turn. And then the next one was was on the straight where it was only one move, wasn't it, Chris? But it looked like he reacted very, very late and Kimmy had to take avoiding action. Yeah, Max has a wonderful ability of waiting for the driver behind to commit and then making his defensive move, which when you're doing 210 miles an hour on the Kemmel straight is not something... Well, on any straight. It's just not something that should be done. That's flat out dangerous driving and it's not something I want to see. Well, it's, is it within the rules though? Because you're saying it's flat out dangerous driving. Is that something the driver behind should be ready for the driver to respond to his change of direction? Driver attacking should not have to back out of the throttle when the driver in front makes a defensive move. Yeah, because we're, we're used to the uh, sort of almost mirror effect where they, uh, the two drivers go across at the same time. Where, uh, but this was Kimmy had come round and he was 
mate, he had the DRS open, and then Max flat out just went, no, you're not having that, to the point that Kimi at, uh, uh, claims that he had to put on the brakes to avoid going into the back. And in my eyes, if it's where he's got a back out, I think, yeah, that's fine. But if it's the fact where he has to apply the brakes, no, that is a bit dangerous in my eyes. And this has been, but this has been a hallmark of Oliver Stappen's defense. He generally will wait for the driver behind to commit and then move to shut it down. But he does it even in braking zones, approaching turns, and especially like in a DRS zone. And we've seen it before. It's very hard to accurately gauge the speed of the car closing on you. And sooner or later, in my opinion, is he's going to get that very wrong and the driver behind will not be able to get out of it and it'll be an awfully big crash that results. Now, part of that's got to be on the FIA and stewards. They need to clarify this if they want to prevent it. Yeah, uh, if you ask me, a, a lot of Verstappen's previous moves haven't been quite so extreme and um, aggressive. I think this one was you know, a bit of a slam dunk. You you don't do that. I don't like his moving about in the braking zones either. Um, go back to the Rosberg incident in Germany. That was not correct. Um, and you're right. I think one day he is going to cause a crash. And I think only after then is he uh, maybe going to realize the dangers of what he's doing. Yeah, well, I think it goes back just basically the point that that Bradley made when he was on the show, which is like, if he's not going to get a penalty, he's going to do it. And the only two penalties are either the stewards or my race is over. Okay, speaking of the stewards then, why didn't Nico Hulkenberg get a penalty? Right, we've been talking about weaving. What You're talking about the one move. He's making a defense towards the end of the race. He, he, he moves once over to block the inside line. Then he comes back outside. Uh, then he made another move to the inside, and then the fourth move was the the taking up your racing line. So why didn't you get a penalty for that? We're always hearing this, you may make one move, then back to the racing line. So I, I just don't understand why that didn't get penalised. I'm wondering if that's indicative of the general slackness, laxness, relaxedness of the stewards this weekend. I didn't know if it was due to the fact that the stewards sort of went, because obviously uh, there was the whole rigmarole of what happened in pit lane, where they're going side by side, and then it's sort of like two into one, don't go. Oh, the and, yeah. Uh, they, there was the slight kiss that happened, so they sort of thought, well, we we might think about penalising Alonso for that. Oh, but Hulkenberg's just done that. Ah, uh, six one after the. Oh, yeah, so two, so two rights <laughs> do make a wrong. Uh, yeah. So really, can we apply that kind of logic to penalties? You know, like well, they, well then, I don't know. Once it gets into a fist fight like that, the stewards go, ah, let them at it. I suppose a lot of people would like that. Well, and there's a certain amount of no harm, no foul, which I think goes into it too. And we did have, I think, someone pointed out we had two stewards who were drivers. This weekend. Yeah, that was Vortex who pointed that out, yeah. Uh, clever Vortex. Clever man, that man. Okay, uh, let's move on. The chat room is saying interesting things. Matt, have you been have you been tracking them for the last half hour or so? I've been very but, distracted. Uh, the chat room? I, I was just delighted to see Vivian back in defending Kimi Ryan. <gasps> yes. Okay, well, after qualifying, I was thinking uh, that he was on a roll, but I think he was kind of lame in the race. No? Hardly his fault. Can I just point? Has anyone noticed over the last sort of three races or so since Kimmy got his contract renewed, he's been quite on form. 
He has been. And I think that when you want to go back to the first turn incident, I think if you look at the way Vettel is driving, it says the word pressure to me very loudly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and the way he's been talking on the on the radio as well, and and his post race interview. So Vivian Bove is saying Max's fault. Period. See, even she thinks it's uh, Max Verstappen's fault. Matt, you are so alone on this. It's normally me. This is great. She was talking about the uh, the incident on the straight, my friend. Oh, we should, oh, right. Okay, fine. Yeah, and I know, and it's not like I blamed Raikkonen for the first turn incident. That was entirely Vettel's fault, as all right thinking people will agree. Uh, I love how you put it that way. Look, we, we've um, we've run way over, but it's been a fantastic show. Really good opinions from you guys. Great to have Jake Sanson on and to hear from Charlie Brisker. But I'm afraid it is time to move on to the podium. And I've got to plug the guys who help us out on Patreon, guys. Slowly, slowly, this studio this shed this literal shed is starting to make an impact on my life and hopefully soon uh, that will spread to the contributors matt seeing some of that we're setting chris up to be a producer um but all of the relative minor success of the studio has been spearheaded by the patreon that's that's been the impetus to tell us that what we're doing is of value and whenever someone decides that this project is worth donating to uh, with a monthly micropayment, it honestly gives me an emotion. I- I'm not sure which one, but I definitely get some sort of emotion. Uh, so with the Patreon starting to rack up and some voiceover work starting to come in, uh, and we're now on the verge of Spanners Ready Media having a paid podcasting gig. Who would know such a thing would have been possible this time last year? Uh, this is all starting to make the studio pay. And I have to say a big thank you to the Patreon guys, because you are now covering all my hosting fees for putting content on the internet and that that is a big relief when i go and talk to the long-haired colonel indoors and tell her look this this pastime it no longer runs a negative it's not taking anything away from the family uh, anymore and in fact it could one day all of the studio work make up part of my working week so please uh, please consider supporting us with a micro payment by going to the contact us page so spannersready.com click the contact us tab and the patreon tabs are on there we're looking for one or two dollars we're setting up to have extra producers so that we're able to keep going all over the winter uh, so if i go on holiday the, sh- the show still goes on with matt at the helm you guys like matt right yeah sure you do and even sometimes chris chris is certainly going to be doing it on e-radio and downforce in general please support us uh in time we'll work out some rewards like other patreon patreon systems have but i haven't figured all that out yet so then let's go on to the podium guys Let's have, let's have my inconsistent thing of the weekend, which this week can be absolutely anything. Chris Stevens, you're rubbing your hands together in delight. Yes, absolutely. Because my thing of the weekend is GP2. Because and I know, I know, do you know, I know we haven't discussed about this, but I cannot go through this podcast without just mentioning what a fantastic weekend for GP2. Incredible racing up and down the field. Wonderful driving. And I, my confidence in the series is absolutely renewed. I'm going to allow this because it is my ambition to have a section on race weekends, a five, 10 minute section covering the, the GP2, GP3 races. And if you're going to cover them, if you're going to watch them more, I'd like to get Alex Goldschmidt from, I think I've pronounced that right, from Downforce Radio. He's normally a uh, tin tops 
dude but he does also watch the gp2 gp3 and, and we, we've got to watch these these things guys because these are the stars of the future and we're going to be able to see you know in future years we know he's a lunatic because of what he's done in gp2 gp3 or this guy's the real deal it helps put in context you know the pascal Verlines and the harry antos so yeah chris if you're up for for chatting to alex about that and getting a little segment going that'd be great absolutely love working with alex cool so, cool absolutely. cool nice guy uh ryan what's your thing of the weekend uh, i'm gonna say uh ricardo oh why not well you know because uh, there was a whole cheeky dig he had uh, uh, at his teammate uh, in the cooldown room, and uh, which was something along the lines of, "There's a uh, there's a lot of uh, flan, uh, flan flags from the Netherlands, but there are some Aussie ones here as well." And that was almost his way of saying, "Yeah, this is the guy that's uh, had all the hype, but look who's delivered the goods," sort of thing. And then there was the cheeky shoe. <laughs> yes, he once again got the disgusting shoe out and made Mark Webber drink for it. And fair play to Mark Webber for just going for it. And this is the thing. I've, I've never been to Australia and I'm, I'm past really that point in my life. I'm never going to take a gap year there. I'm never going to, you know, take my year traveling and go to Australia. And I'm quite pleased because I get the feeling that Australia is just a stag do that didn't end. Someone went on a stag do there <laughs> and it's just gone massively out of hand. Yeah, well, I, why would you want to go to Australia? It's like, if there is a god, he's just gone, let's get every deadly creature in existence and <laughs> plop it on this country. Like, why on earth would you want to go there? It's a naturally occurring Hunger Games. <laughs> why are you? Why do people still live there? But yeah, uh, but fair play on them. Uh, definitely two characters of F1. So yeah, that's a good thing of the weekend. Matt, what's your thing of the weekend? Oh my God, there are too many things of the weekend to, to, to even begin to mention. I mean, we have... McLaren besting Toro Rosso and the constructors. We have Force India ahead of Williams. That's mine. That's mine. Force India. All right, you can have that one. Fifth. We have Weber drinking out of that nasty shoe on the podium, which was a thing. But my thing of the weekend, I think, has to be the following tweeted analogy from Summers F1. Go for it. That Max Verstappen is to. Kimi Raikkonen, as Felipe Massa was to Lewis Hamilton several years ago. I think this is going to go on and on and on. Oh, joy. Awesome. Awesome. Let's do the bad thing, because I'm not going to dwell on Force India. It was awesome how well they've done. That outfit generally impresses. And what we normally see is them doing well at the start of the season. So to see them having some development that we've seen since Spain and really challenging and moving forward through the course of the season is really encouraging with Sergio Perez, who is a driver I admire, and I, I hope to see only good things from them towards the towards the end of the season. That's enough of good things. Oh no, you missed the apex. That's Ivy having a go at that. Who missed the apex for you, Chris Stevens? Pascal Verline, who, after a sensational qualifying effort throws it away by running into the back of Jensen Button at Lacombe and ending both of their races. Yeah. That, yeah, and and missed it, opportunity. He, he really did try to lay the blame on the cars in front, but come on. And he put his hand can, up like, what are you doing? Like, what are yeah, you doing? I know. You can, it looked like the auto reaction on the new 2016 game where the driver yeah. automatically puts his hand up and does every the bit gesture. of contact. <laughs> every what every are you bit. Doing? But it really feels like, you know, he was he had the best view in the house of what was going on up there and he still managed to punt it straight into the back of Jensen Button, uh, who took it fairly well, to be fair. Ryan, who missed the apex for you? 
Uh, on multiple occasions, Max Verstappen, quite literally. Yeah, so you are not a fan. Uh, you, well, to start off with, I was, but then it's sort of, I don't know, it seems that he's t- taken his driving to another level from his thinking. It's It's been like he's gone from Toro Rosso and he's gone, right, I'm at Red Bull, I've got to step it up another notch. And that's this is his another notch. Matt Trumpets, who missed the apex for you, old sir? Well, I was going to say Veriline until Steven stole it. You Yeah, bugger. mangy. Right. <clears throat> anyway, I'd have to go with uh, the Williams and Haas strategists that pitted their cars right before the red flag, thereby ensuring none of their drivers would do as well as they might have. How dare they not be psychic? Uh, I don't think it took a psychic to figure that one out. Can I add Carlos Sainz's right rear tire to that? Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, because, well because done. He made up seven or eight positions at the start, and then it just went bang at the second lap. But he would not give up. He would not he give up, try. even when that tire reached back and said no, and ripped <laughs> the rear wing off. You shall not carry on. He was just like, you can't tell me what to do, and he just kept careering through, spinning out before finally resting it into the armco. It, it was it was Jules Villeneuve esque that, although yeah, yeah. carrying the car home. <laughs> Excellent. Well, for me, the missed Apex Award goes to Sebastian Vettel because when you put yourself on that high, on that high of a pedestal, you you have to live by your own standards. He is so critical about people's driving standards. And and that move was amateurish, schoolboy and awful. Ryan? I'd like to add on where Williams messed up was the fact that um, I'm trying to think who they were trying to chase down for another position. But they were like, yeah, we... Yeah, they were trying to uh, chase down Alonso, and then they were like, yeah, um, you need to let uh, Volteri through and uh, so he can catch Alonso. And then Master's like, well, that will put me open to the Ferraris. And I'm like, no, just do it. And then say they do it, Alonso, uh, Master gets overtaken by the Ferraris, and then Bottas doesn't even catch Alonso. So they've, com- they've lost points, and therefore they've lost fourth place in the, uh, in the Constructors' Championship. And, and but to be fair, it was Botas' birthday, so you know, seems entirely reasonable to me. Oh, I wonder if anyone else has got a birthday, you know, coming up. It's not a big deal or anything. Just, just saying. Missed pony. That's not the name of the award. The daddy, I want a pony. Daddy, I want a pony, and I want it now. Split between uh, Chris Stevens for that time he had a whinge about forty-five minutes ago, and Pascal Verline for having the cheek to get annoyed that Jensen Button's car didn't disappear and occupied the physical space he was driving through. Comment of the week is from the Cartis 72 when he pointed out that the youngsters are drinking straight from the bottle like grown-ups. I'm just happy that it's not bottles of 2020 or hard liquor. Comment of the week. Chris Stevens, when you're not sipping hard liquor out of a brown paper bag on a park bench, where can people find you? Uh, you can find my written work on FormulaSpy.com and you can find me on Twitter at CStevens underscore Jano. Yes, I still have an underscore in my name before you even make that comment. You, It's really easy to change. Ryan, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Ferret115. That is IT. Are you, are you drunk, Ryan? Is that are why you sure he's old be... enough to drink out of bottles? I've been on a very long weekend of just straight up boozing so yeah 
<laughs> Val, very professional. Matt Trumpets, where can people find you? You can find me at MattPT55 on the Twitters. And of course, always go buy my book at A Weaver Writes. And where did that get to in the Amazon? Your book, your wife's book. My surely. wife's book. Yeah, yeah. At A Weaver Writes. I would be very worried if the content of that book came out of your mind, to be honest, Matthew. Now you'll just have to wait and see. She was number one in historical romance. In, in, in historical romance. She was number one in her category, number one in historical romance. She got up to, it was on a Amazon sale, 24 wow. in all romance and yeah. up to 63 in the entire Kendall store. That's amazing, which tells you that it's good. And it's a common scandal by A. Weaver. Follow her at A. Weaver Writes. Guys, These are the books that keep your wife busy so you can do stuff. Then she'll want to see you afterwards. It's a no-brainer. Isn't it it something like 99 cents in the Amazon store right now? Uh, I think the price went back up, but keep your eyes open. They do go on sale from time to time. Amazing. What call coming through? Oh, it's Toto Wolf again. I thought he'd given up, but there is no time. There's only time for me to say visit me at www.spannersready.com. And until next time, wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory last forever. Matt, looking at these young guys, do you remember when you had that much energy? No. It's no, f- I don't. Saying it's a fading memory for me, for you. It must be just a speck. A speck in a pool of distant whiskey. It's astonishing. I watch all these young people with all their energy and I think, God, what a waste. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips Tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.